So as we've said, we're in Advent um, already. It's come around quickly this year, hasn't it? Well, saying that does every year, doesn't it, in fairness. But, so we're in, um, in Advent, and, and we have, in Advent, we, we traditionally look at hope, peace, um, joy, and love, but we've only got three weeks. Um, and I thought I wanted to speak about joy this morning. I've been challenged um, by something I heard. Kate was listening to something in the car um, as we were traveling about joy, and it really really challenged me, and so I thought I would like to speak on joy uh, this morning. And um, that's a challenge in itself, as you've heard this morning, you know, people, a couple of people in the church uh, have passed on, they've lost their lives here on earth, but they've gone to be with the Lord. Kate has lost her auntie this week, and to, to, to speak on joy might seem like a bit of a challenge, but I hope that you grasp um, what I'm talking about this morning when I talk about joy. I wonder what gives you joy when you think about joy, what do you think about? Is it perhaps a, a puppy? Does that fill your heart with joy? Or perhaps it's your children. Perhaps it's money that fills your heart with joy. Perhaps it's your sports team. If you're lucky enough to be like me and support the best team in the world, Liverpool, then occasionally you are filled with joy. It's a few clubs, but you're filled with joy. But all those things come to an end. You think about it. All those things I just said, at some point come to an end. They don't last forever. We've just sung, we will praise your name forever because our God will last forever. So I want to talk about joy this morning and the joy of the Lord. I'm just going to read to you from, from Luke 2. There's a few scriptures this morning, um, but I'm not going to tell you where in the Bible because after the last seven weeks and our inspired series, I take it you all know exactly where everything is. No, there's a few nods. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So uh, starting in Luke 2. Uh, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. What is this joy that is spoken about here, this great joy? I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This joy came from some good news. Have you ever received good news and thought you felt great joy? But this news was earth-shattering. This news was earth-changing. We've heard this morning, this 400-year wait for the 
Israelites between Malachi and Matthew. They were waiting for a Messiah. And the news had just come, this Messiah has arrived in the form of a baby. And this was going to bring great joy. But what is joy? What is joy to you? What is it not? Joy is not an emotion. I'll clarify this. The joy of the Lord is not an emotion. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not dependent like happiness on circumstances. It's not dependent like sadness on our circumstances or where we find ourselves. Emotions come and go. You think of happiness and sadness, excitement, disappointment. They all come and go. But the joy of the Lord remains. It never leaves us. It never moves. So the world might call joy happiness. That's probably what the world thinks joy is, is happiness. Something that makes you happy. But that can be taken away. And happiness is dictated by our situation. This joy, the joy of the Lord, is a state of being. It's a constant. It's an irreversible condition caused by a singular event. The birth of Jesus Christ. Can't turn the clock back. You can't change it. That joy cannot be taken. The joy that came at the birth of Christ will never be taken away. Let's read it again. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Great joy. This was going to change humanity, the history of the world, forever. This was great joy. In my days in the, in the Navy, we used to have an ironic saying of deep joy. Whenever we found out that we weren't going to be in for Christmas, whenever we found out that we had to do an extra day's duty, whenever we found out that we weren't going to make it into port in time for some festival, we would turn to one another and say, oh, deep joy. Deep joy. It's ironic, but there's something in that. Because when we face the trials of life, when we face circumstances we'd rather not be in, when people leave us when we don't really want them to, there is still deep joy. There is deep joy. And it's the joy of the Lord. The news that brought this great joy, he, he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. There is deep joy. There is an unshakable joy. There is joy that will never leave you. There's a joy that will never change. And some of you this morning may be thinking, but, but somebody dies, where's the joy in that? People are being bombed, where's the joy in that? People are starving, where's the joy in that? But we're talking about the joy of the Lord, the joy that only the Lord can bring. What did this joy mean? How was it synonymous with this news, this news that brought this joy? What, what really was this news? What did it mean? In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, for sin, sin being that which separates us from God, whatever we do that separates us from God, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the news was 
It wasn't there's a baby being born in Bethlehem. Go and give him a tickle under the chin. This was there is a baby that has been born in the town of Bethlehem. Who is the Messiah? He is the savior of the world. This is the news. Life will never be the same again. Where you used to fear death, you no longer need to fear death. He has conquered sin and he has conquered death. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He has come to you. He's been born to you so that he might die for you, so that he might be raised by God, so that he can conquer death and conquer sin. And in that, there is deep joy. There is a joy that cannot be taken. Where does this joy come from? I love these verses in 1 Peter 3. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible, unspeakable, and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So where does this joy come from? It comes from salvation. It comes from knowing the Lord. It comes from accepting that this baby was God, the Son of God, and knowing that he can save you and me from our sins. This joy comes from salvation. It comes from knowing Jesus, from knowing who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. This joy comes from the Lord. The Lord is everlasting. He always was. He always will be. This joy always was and always will be. Salvation is the knowledge and acceptance of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his birth, death, and resurrection. We can't expect anybody that doesn't know Christ to understand this kind of joy. This kind of joy that comes from God, this constant joy in the midst of whatever we face, a joy that you can draw on, a joy that you can experience. We can't expect people that don't know Jesus to understand it, to experience it, because it only comes when you know Jesus. So how do we get it? just said it's, it's knowing Jesus. If you know Jesus, you have this joy. And you may be thinking this morning, I don't feel it. I don't feel the joy this morning. I don't feel like there's much joy in my life. We're going to come on to that in a while. But how do I get it? You need to know Jesus. Seek him. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And we're going to come on to that a little bit later as well. But I'm going to ask you, can I lose it? You may be sat here this morning thinking, I don't even feel this joy that you're talking about. I don't really understand it. I think I know Jesus, but I don't really know this joy. Can I lose it? Can I lose this joy that comes into my heart once I know Jesus? Well, I would say to you, no, you can't lose it. But think of joy like a place. It exists and it will never go away. We can leave joy. Joy doesn't leave us, but we can leave joy. We can walk away from joy. We can allow circumstances to push us away from that joy. We can allow what people say to us to pull us away from joy. But joy is like a place. And our sense of this deep-rooted joy that sometimes we have, sometimes we experience, it can diminish. It can get smaller. It can feel like I haven't got much joy. Circumstances, like I said, what people say. We don't lose joy. We leave it. It's always there. We don't lose joy. It's always available to us. 
we leave it. See, when we, when we start complaining, and sometimes rightfully so, you've lost a loved one, or some tragic life experience has come to you, or you've lost a job, and life is hard. It's really hard. But when we complain, when we focus on that, we, we move away from joy. The departure from joy begins. And it takes hold when we're more mindful of the problem than we are of God and what he promises us. Now, I know that's hard. We found that this week. Because the, the problem isn't someone dying when they know Christ. But when you focus on a problem, you're not focusing on Christ. When you focus on the problem, you gravitate to the problem and you forget God. And you forget the joy and the peace that emanates from God. I want to talk about King David for a moment. In 2 Samuel 11 and 12, it talks of David and his experience, or one of his experiences. It starts off by saying that kings go off to war in the spring. But King David didn't go. He didn't go to war. He decided to stay behind. He took off his eyes off what he was called to do. He took his eyes off what God had for him. He took off the life that God wanted him to live, the way he wanted him to live it. And so he was where he wasn't supposed to be. And he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. And he did something he shouldn't do. And people lost their lives. And ultimately, David was undone because he took off his eyes off what God wanted for him, took his eyes off what God called him to do, how he should have been living. I want to ask you this morning, what are you doing that you shouldn't be? Where are you that you shouldn't be? What are you looking at that you shouldn't be? Is that maybe why there may be joy missing in your life? When it was pointed out to David what he had done by the prophet Samuel, he repented. He turned his affections back to the Lord. And as recorded in Psalm 51, he was asking the Lord to return to him the joy of his salvation. God, I have wandered from you. I am in a mess. I am a sinful man. I find myself far from you, and I am ruined. But David says, return to me the joy of your salvation. David is recognizing here is nothing that David can do. God, I need you to return to me the joy of your salvation. God, I need you. I recognize you are my savior. I recognize you are the one that gives me joy. I recognize you are the one that brings me peace. I recognize that you are the one that has called me to follow you. And I want you to return to me the joy of that salvation, of knowing with a surety that you are my saviour and the joy that comes with that. Return to me the joy of your salvation. You, God, are the source of my joy. So how do we keep it, this joy? How do we keep this joy, this experience of the joy of the Lord? How do we keep it alive? 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, as Paul writes, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. <laughs> Rejoice always. Do you always feel like rejoicing? I don't. There are times, there are days, there are weeks, there are events, when I don't feel like rejoicing. 
But we're called here to rejoice always. To be able to rejoice always comes from a disciplined and practiced choice of responses to any given situation. It's a clear decision to say, I will rejoice. Whatever I face, I will rejoice. That doesn't mean be happy. That doesn't mean throw a party. It's just, I will rejoice. So what does rejoice mean? What does rejoice mean? What are we being asked to do here? To rejoice means to feel joy or to give joy or great delight. To give joy to, to gladden, to impart joy to something. I would argue here your circumstances to your life. The ancient, the really old way to translate rejoice is cause joy to. So when you rejoice, it's not even about you. When you rejoice, you're bringing joy to something or to someone else or to a situation. So we're called to rejoice always, whatever the situation may be. So I believe that cultivating joy, keeping this joy of the Lord at the forefront of our lives, living in, walking in this channel of joy is about having a a thankful heart. To rejoice, to bring joy to, to be thankful to God. But a thankful heart, you can't just ask for it. God, give me a thankful heart. You can ask God for healing. You can ask God to save you. But you can't ask God to give you a thankful heart. That is a choice. That is a set of mature decisions to say, I will thank you, God. I will thank you, Lord. That is how we we cultivate a thankful heart. And I honestly believe that is what is the root of living a joyful life and maintaining the joy of the Lord in our life. We often quote Horatio Spafford from here, and I will keep this brief, but this was the guy that lost everything. He lost his business uh, in America. He sent his children ahead of him, and they died when their ship drowned in the middle of the Atlantic. As Spafford eventually returned home, he came to the spot on the sea, but the rough spot where his children had been lost. And either before then or at that time, he wrote that hymn, All Will Be Well With My Soul. All will be well with my soul. I've lost my daughters. I've lost my business. I could say that I am ruined, but all will be well with my soul. Because Spafford knew the joy of the Lord. He knew what real joy was, what it meant, and it comes from a thankful heart. In 1 Chronicles 16, we read about Asaph. He's a priest that's told by King David to give thanks to the Lord. You're in charge of giving thanks to the Lord. I want you, and there are many other named people. You can read it if you like to. In fact, I recommend you read it. 1 Chronicles 16. Asaph and all these other lists of names of Levites and priests are tasked with giving joy to the Lord. And David even sets out almost like a script. This is how you thank the Lord. This is how you give thanks to the Lord. This was their job. And you think, is that not a bit cold? Is that not a bit mechanical? Is that not a bit by rote? You walk into the temple and somebody's lighting the candles or, or somebody's doing a sacrifice and somebody's stood there with a clipboard with a list on saying, thank you, Lord, for this. And we praise you, Lord, for that. And you think, well, where's the life in that? But I would say to you, it's a choice. There is something in that mechanical choice. There is something in that choice to say, no matter what is going on around me, no matter what is happening, I will thank the Lord. I will thank him for what he has done. You see, when we do that, when we choose 
to rejoice, to bring joy to the situation. When we, when we say, I'm going to give thanks in the midst of my circumstances, what you're doing is you're bypassing your emotional limit. You've reached your emotional limit. I don't want to give thanks. I don't want to rejoice because I feel like life sucks right now. And it does at times. But when we say, I will praise the Lord in all circumstances, I will thank the Lord in all circumstances, I will rejoice in all circumstances, what you're saying is, what's going on around me is not going to dictate the way I respond to my God. It doesn't dictate the way I'm going to respond to life. I'm going to allow the joy of the Lord. I'm going to allow my God who saved me, who sent his son to die for me, I'm going to allow him to dictate how I live my life. Now I know that there are people that are suffering. I know there are people that are struggling at this time. But I implore you to rejoice. I implore you to give thanks to God. I implore you to praise the God who gave up his son for you so that you may experience great joy. The world might say it's mind of a matter. It's just mind of a matter. Don't think about it. Just think about something else. It's not that. It's pressing through that and realizing that there is more to this life than what we experience. Have you ever seen, oh, my football analogies are terrible, but there's a football match and you see a team get absolutely thumped. They're really struggling and they need a lift and they go up to the crowd and say, come on, come on, cheer. It might be 4-0. We might be getting absolutely slaughtered here, but come on, cheer us on. And it's, that's where you see the great comebacks. You see the stadium starting to erupt. You see people starting to cheer, despite the fact that their team are getting absolutely slaughtered. We're going to cheer them on anyway. We're going to lift them anyway. And it does happen. Games will turn around because people are not allowing the circumstances to dictate how I'm feeling. I'm going to continue to cheer. I'm going to continue to shout. We don't give thanks for bad news. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to give thanks for the bad news that happens. You don't have to turn on the TV to say, I'm not saying we were, we're thankful for that. But we're thankful to God despite of it. We're thankful to God in the midst of it because he has given us the answer. He's given us the answer to all this bad news. He's given us the answer to rise above it. He's given us the answer. He's given us the joy of the Lord. You know, time is marching on, so I'm going to try and get through this really quickly. I went on a retreat uh, about 10 months ago. The, the church very kindly let me go on a, re a retreat, and I was there, and um, I ended up playing snooker with a little guys in the evening. It was a really spiritual retreat. <laughs> but there was, a, there was an older guy, one of the counselors, and he said, oh, I love to play snooker. Does anybody want to play snooker? Nobody ever played snooker with him. But there ended up being four of us that wanted to play snooker. And we, we played over the couple of weeks. There was this Dutch guy there, Robert. He was just the loveliest man I think I've ever met. In fact, <laughs> I never thought about this, but he actually personified joy. I even said to him as I left this place, I said, you, you look like who I want to be. You're just so full of joy, nothing ever got him down. We were playing snooker, <laughs> and we were getting really good. And I got halfway through, and I was starting to play really well. I was getting really excited with myself. But then we went down one night, and I couldn't do anything right. It was awful. And Kate will tell you, being the past I am, I have this downward spiral that, that can catch me sometimes. But in all the, the stuff we were talking about, in all the ministry we were doing, I just sat there and said, you know what? And this is in the middle of a game of snooker. It sounds so silly, but I choose joy. 
I choose joy. I'm not going to allow the fact that I cannot, oh, I'm not going to say it, but I, I cannot play snooker if I let them. I'm not going to allow that to bother me. I choose joy. And he said, what are you doing? He saw the smile on my face. And I said, I'm choosing joy. And we all just fell about laughing. And it became our catchphrase for the rest of the kind of, the snooker matches. Every time anyone missed, it's like, I choose joy. And it's such a silly little thing, but it's like, I choose joy. I don't know what my wife's thinking right now. She's thinking, I wish you would choose joy a little bit more at home. <laughs> but, but choose joy. Choose joy. Choose not to be dragged down. Choose joy. And there is a, there is a couple in this church, I won't say who they are, but they're, they're friends of ours. And for the last five years, their life has been really, really difficult. Really difficult. But you would never know it. And I'll tell you why, because they choose the joy of the Lord. They are a praying couple. They are always giving thanks to God. They know the joy of the Lord. They know what it is to suffer, but to know the joy of the Lord. Habakkuk 3. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines... Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. You read your own words into that. (laughs) There may be inflation. There may be no jobs. There may be children dying. There may be people going to hell. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. You know when it gets tricky, when it looks like I'm going to fall down, he guides me. He makes sure, he makes sure that I will make it. The sovereign Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Right, I'm going to roll through this. In fact, I'm going to ask the, the, uh, because time has gone on, I'm going to ask the worship team, to come up and join me because we're going to put this into practice. How else do we cultivate joy? I said it right at the start of our service. In the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We can often think that the joy of the Lord is in the house of the Lord because we're all together and we worship the Lord. But I would say to you, the joy of the Lord is yours wherever you may be. When you give your life to Christ, when you give life to that baby that became a man, that became a sacrifice, that became our salvation, when you give your life to him, his spirit comes and lives within you. The joy of the Lord is yours at all times, at all times. I want to ask you to think about when you sit in the quiet, when you sit in those quiet moments, when you think there is no joy, you sit and dwell, you sit and wait on the Lord, and you ask him to show up, and you see that he doesn't. You just close your eyes and focus on the joy of the Lord. I've been doing it this week. I've been trying to do it this week. And I've been moved to tears of joy so many times because I just sit and think of what God has done for me. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord isn't in a place. It isn't here. It's in here and you take it with you wherever you go. Because you've given us the good news. The good news that we have a saviour. The good news that we have a messiah. The good news that we have someone that saves us from our sin, that saves us from this world. That is the good news, and that is the joy that rests in your heart. So if you're not feeling joy this morning, I'm asking you to make a choice, to choose joy, to thank God in the midst of your circumstances, to rejoice, to bring joy to the circumstances, to rise above it, to make people around you go, what is this? What is this? 
this person that should be so sad and so miserable. And it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be disappointed. But to carry that joy of the Lord, it's okay. Because I carry the joy of the Lord. So we can praise God. We can worship him. And when we do that, we elevate ourselves above our pain. And we elevate above ourselves, above the circumstances. The pain doesn't go away. The circumstances don't go away. We do mourn. We do grieve. We feel sadness. We feel disappointment. But with the joy of the Lord in time, it will be reconciled. It will be. You may not feel it right now, but it will be. And the other thing about the joy of the Lord, we need it now because we suffer now. When Jesus returns and we go with him, we'll have the joy of the Lord, but we won't need it so much because there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering because of what he paid on that cross. In God's presence is the fullness of joy, not just corporately for yourselves. This scripture, Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than a watchman waits for the morning. More than a watchman waits for the morning. When I, again, back to my time on ships, when we had the middle watch, it finished at four in the morning. We were going to the quarter deck, and it was called Sunapus, and we would wait for the sun to come up. And as I was writing this message, the memories of that came to me. Because it's like that. Sometimes you feel like you're in the dark. Sometimes you feel like there is no light and you're looking out and you're just waiting. But I promise you, you worship the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, give thanks to the Lord and you will see that light coming over the horizon. And it will be slow. It will be slow as it starts but eventually the sun rises and his warmth will be all over you and he will smile on you and you will know his presence. So wait on the Lord and don't give up on him. Wait on the Lord, because he will fill you with joy. And it's a two-way street. Let me remind you, Hebrews 12, verse 2, as I finish now. And then I'm going to ask you if you want to give your life to Christ this morning and know this joy. Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus doing what he did to set you free, to be in relationship with you, to go through that pain, that shame, separated from God. He did that for the joy of being in relationship with you. That is the joy of the Lord. If you want to know the joy of the Lord... This morning, if you want to experience this joy that we've been talking about, if you want to know joy that surpasses all circumstances, if you want to know a joy that rises in your heart, even even when you think you can't have it, even when you think that you don't feel it, I'm going to ask you to get it. I'm going to ask you to get it by knowing Jesus. So I'm going to pray this simple prayer, and if it's for you, I want you to pray it in your head after me, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for ignoring you. I'm sorry for the sin of my life that has separated me from you. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I thank you that you considered it joy to go through that 
for me so that I might be in relationship with you. Lord, please forgive me of my sin and please come into my heart that I may experience the fullness of joy. Amen. Amen.